Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound. My name is Yutha Shite. And I'm Finn Sound Nicholas. And we talk about films and this week we are talking about the film made by one of the great icons who was also just involved in some real terrible shit. And so I just want to start with a uh, trigger warning, a caution. Charlie Chaplin was a pedophile. <laughs> if not in legal deed, then in very much in spirit and action. The the character he created of the tramp and of Charlie Chaplin, as opposed to Charles Chaplin, the man, mm-hmm. uh, uh, is an icon, I believe, worthy of discussion. Uh, uh, the, the teens, twenties, and thirties were a horrifying time especially in the film industry in yeah. America. Um, and if you want to learn more about that, you can watch Mank. <laughs> I just want to put that out front. That's a terrible thing. It was yeah. terrible then. It's terrible now. And all that we can, all we could do in discussing it is uh, make it less. So it is a huge thing. It's over there. It's over there and it should overshadow everything. But like Chaplin is, a part of our culture, and we have to talk about him both good and ill. Yeah, we have to talk about what who he is and what he became because it's so important to film. Yeah, especially. and uh, you 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 can of course go to our Patreon where we're reviewing every single uh, comedy album by Bill Cosby. <laughs> no, but like that's like a worthwhile thing for someone to do. Like mm-hmm. there's there are things to be learned about American culture from Bill Cosby's comedy. And especially through the lens of it being made by, uh, I'm, I'm, he's not, he's not all right, Billiam. I, I think, hmm, I was trying to remember what his, what his like catchphrase was, and because uh, I know he's like he's got a thing that he says three times in a row, and I thought, and for a second I was going to say all right, all right, all right, and a Bill Cosby voice, and I was like, no, that's 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 McConaughey. <laughs> Let's hear. Let's hear. <laughs> nope. Let's hear. And oh, we got someone on the phone. <laughs> Who is it, <laughs> Mister McConaughey? <laughs> Lovely to talk to you. No, I, I. Can you plug your mic in so we can, Mister McConaughey? Matt, how you doing? <laughs> Matt, you speak. Come on, you're on the you're on the show. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, okay. So, oh, we've got another call. <laughs> Oh, who's this from? Bill Cosby. <laughs> Got anything to say? How are you feeling? Use three words, the same word three times. <laughs> Tell me, how are you feeling, m- monster? <laughs> I don't like you, by the way. I'd say that to your face. You're a bad person. Got anything to say in response to that? Possibly the same word three times? <laughs> anything? Bill. Bill. Billy, you there? You wait. This is like, is this your one phone call from prison? <laughs> Are you rotting in there? Good. I hope it's less comfortable. No art is worth people getting hurt. Except for jackass. No, but like. I, I, I know. I think the death of Ryan Dunn does yeah, kind well, of invalidate jackass. Yeah. Am I going to see the fourth one, though? Yes. Um, I just don't want us to keep ha- coming back to it because I think that would just be like that that is potentially triggering or upsetting and it, yeah, you know, I just, I just, we have to acknowledge the bear. Yeah. Uh, 
sadly, the bear has eaten Finn and replaced Finn. Oh, no, not again. Why are you saying that, bear, with your bear lips? Oh, because I'm a bear from Annihilation. (laughs) So I've stolen Finn's voice. I mean, as a bear, how many films do you see as a bear? Uh, Also, Paddington. Yeah. I saw Paddington 2. Right. Uh, I saw Yogi Bear 3D. How do you feel about the bear? I saw the bear. How do you feel about the bear? I saw Grizzly. (laughs) How do you feel? I saw the Tigger movie. (laughs) How do you feel (laughs) about the representation of bears in in Paddington, for example? I I think think it's nice that bears get some good publicity every now and again. Yeah. But uh, there there, there wasn't enough, like, uh, not enough body horror uh, for my taste, personally. Because I'm I'm like a bear that eats people and, like, steals their voices. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that just wasn't represented at all. Anyway, so, Bear, while I have you, I know you're a master impressionist. What would it sound like <laughs> with Bill Cosby saying, all right, all right, all right? I mean, that, that seems a bit beneath me, you know? I'm a powerful, horrifying creature. Yeah, yeah. you tore Fett apart, his, <laughs> his twer he made of straw. Yeah. Why have you chosen not to, to kill and devour me? I just like podcasts. Are you frightened? <laughs> and, and I'm more podcast than Finn. I mean, he he was he had his back to the door, and uh, you didn't warn him. <laughs> it was nice of you to come in through a door, and you knocked so politely. He went to the door. Oh, we had to cut it from the recording because we played because it. Of the screaming. <laughs> well, no, because we played it to Werner Herzog, and he said, <laughs> "No one must ever hear this." Hello and welcome to Shike and Sound, a podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema and then follow it up with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode we watched number 64 on the Shike and Sound list, Modern Times. Charlie Chaplin's wildly ambitious and hilarious critique of the dehumanizing effects of Depression-era capitalism. Uh, our second film this week is Kit Kittredge, an American Girl, uh, a movie based on a line of dolls where Abigail Breslin Nancy Drews around the depression. So this was your first chaplain? Uh, yes. And unlike, I mean, you'd seen gifts. Yeah, I'd seen a bit where he's roller skating around near the, near the uh, like edge of the of the department store. And like, so this is an interesting place to start because modern times is kind of in the most charitable way the beginning of the end. Hmm. I think the pivot point in his career is the the period after he made City Lights, yeah, or as I know it as uh, Shitty Lights. <laughs> So you are openly calling City Lights a film you have not seen. Yep. Um, you're calling it shite a full... Is that, are you, have you uh, hiccups? Yeah. I thought you were pretend vomiting at <laughs> <laughs> the, thought, the thought of it. Um, at the thought of City Lights, a film you declare shite a full uh, three months before we release an episode on it. Yep. <laughs> okay. Um, but and you're not a standby fact. <laughs> City Lights, uh, uh, as we'll discuss when we get to it, I think is kind of the culmination of all of his work. 
up until that point. It is kind of him at his peak. City Lights, his film before this, made in 1931, were, uh, released in 1931, made uh, over about the five years previously, Tim, was, for, was um, like the end of the beginning and, and kind of his, his greatest success. He had taken um, the, this thing that he had developed on stage, then in shorts, then in longer shorts, then in features. He had built literally his own studio. He had founded his United Artists um, along the way. And with all of that, he built to this point where like he had made other films through that system. But after Gold Rush, he then took a break of um, like four years to make City Lights, which was the biggest break in his career. And then he took a break of five years to make Modern Time. Yeah. And it's in that gap where I think that the, the pivot point at the middle of his career is, even though, like in terms of output on the other sides of that, like on one side of that after city lights from 1931 until, uh, 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 1967, he makes one, two, three, four, five, six films from 1914 to the gold rush. 1924 is the only year in there where he didn't have a film out. Right. And city lights is his 79th film. So we are like, so like that's how big the divide is. Yeah. And, and City Lights is kind of, my argument will be kind of his longest short. Mm. Uh, and and it, it's great. It's exquisite. We'll, we'll get to it. I'm not, all four of his films that are on the full list are pretty undeniable, which are Gold Rush, City Lights, Modern Times, Great Dictator, and I would chuck the kid in there. Mm. Those are like five, five star holy shit masterpieces. Right, yeah. And so Modern Times is coming out at a point where he has been away for five years, and ten years before that, he was the biggest person in cinema, the international film star. How aware of Chaplin were you? What was Chaplin like? I know you're a film person, mm. so you, you, you know the history roughly. Yeah. Um, but like, what was he as like an icon to you just as like a person in the world? I mean, he, he he's kind of always been the tramp character. That's like such an iconic image of him with yeah. the like with 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 the with the moustache and the and the bowler hat and the cane and yeah and, and, uh, and walking around all funny. And, and up up until modern times, mm. he is inextricably that there are, yeah. there are shorts in which he's not the tramp, but he's playing tramp alike. Mm. Um, and like I knew about the like great dictator, and I I'd, I'd seen like scenes from that because. That scene where he does their like big monologue, uh, where he breaks character at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like a, it was like a that that clip was like a big thing on like inspirational Facebook pages, and everyone was sharing that. And, and I was like, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, no, that that's a great ending to the Great Dictator, yeah. and he loves it so much that all of his films after. So he makes Modern Times. After this, he makes the Great Dictator, mm. which is him looking at Hitler and going like. Not so fast, buddy. I had the moustache first, thank you very much. And then he made Monsieur Verdoux, uh, uh, Limelight, uh, and A King in New York, all of which are kind of ostensibly comedies, mm. uh, and like you can, like Charlie Chaplin made them. Um, and, and then after that, he made A Countess from Hong Kong, which is. Oop, uh, <laughs> nah. Mm. Um, it, it, it is. It is boring right. um uh, it's a, it's just a play but all of those films from the great dictator on 
and I would argue, including modern times, end with a monologue like that. And mm. it works so well in The Great Dictator mm. that when you get to Monsieur Verdoux, um five years after that, or seven years after that, uh, and Monsieur Verdoux uh, is, is the film that famously Charlie Chaplin and Orson Welles <laughs> argue over who had the idea for it, uh, and to which the answer is, nah, you should let the other guy have it. So is 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 Orson Welles in the movie? Orson Welles is no, he is credited as story by, oh, okay. based on an idea by possibly. Oh, okay, right. Um, uh, which is uh, about uh, the French blackbeard, uh, um, a banker who loses his job and his money, so starts killing old widows. Right. So and, it just went in with a monologue where he's like, actually, killing people is bad, and you shouldn't do it. No. Does it end with a monologue saying killing people is good, and I think it fucks? No. Oh. It ends with an... Uh, no. <laughs> it ends with an interesting monologue, um, which is him... He's a... Spoiler alert. Uh, in a film made in 1947, uh, a man who is killing many old women is 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 arrested and found guilty. Um, but in trial, he's like, no, of course, of course I kill people. You And this is, of course, after the war, but like, I'm... War, like, war is exactly the same thing for a different kind of glory. I killed for money, you killed for fame. When one person kills, it's horror. When right. when 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 a thousand people kill, it's heroism. And it is actually making a really interesting and nuanced point at the end of a film that does not quite support it. Um, but it also you get the sense of like, oh, is this how you're going to end all of your films now? <laughs> and like, Yes. Okay. In in a way where you're like, oh, so it it's him kind of trying to find what the talky version of his silent comedy is, failing and then putting like a justified and interesting moral at at the end, but it still ends up feeling like Kit Kitteridge. Um, yeah, Monsieur Vidou, uh, which is again the one after the Great Dictator, is 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 interesting as a film because. It, it it's his first real talkie. The Great Dictator mm. is a talkie, and like there, there's dialogue in it. Yeah. Even the character who's kind of the tramp speaks. Um, but like this is the first one that's about dialogue, where yeah. there are scenes, and like there are moments in it where you're like, I understand. Like there are stories throughout his biography of him being offered roles and rejecting them because he could never. He only ever wanted to direct himself. Mm. Like, he never appeared. Uh, uh, once he started making features beyond cameos, he never appeared in something written or directed by someone else. Right. And that that's true back to really early in the mm. shorts as well. Um, and, and there are many points in Monsieur Verdu. There's a great scene where he's poisoned a woman's drink uh, uh, to test the poison mm-hmm. to kill her. And then the police find a body and they smell the milk and they say, cyanide. <laughs> Almost exactly like that. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and through their conversation, he decides not to kill her. Mm. And like the, 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 the context and like the, he makes a bunch of really interesting decisions in that scene. But also trying to, fr- and, and it just does not land. And it is kind of the first of his things that doesn't. Uh, City, City City Lights came out in the like sound era, but it's not a, not a sound film. Uh, this is, and, and uh, Thank you for raising mm-hmm. that because that is like my dis- like the to defend my putting the pivot point so late. Yeah, is that City Lights was made at a point 
uh, um, the circus, his film before the city lights, came out within like weeks of the jazz singer opening, right. and so um, city lights and city lights, which is a silent film with a sync with which has a sync sound soundtrack, but that's just score. Right. Yeah. So he wrote a score for it that it was the same score that everyone got, and it has been performed live. Um. But at the time of City Lights, people were still making, there were less silent films, yeah. but there were silent films and talkies. Modern Times is his one that comes, it's yeah, him like, releasing a silent film in the, where everyone is making talkies. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's, it's the middle of the 30s now, absolutely no one is doing this anymore because uh, because uh, we, we can do better now. We've, yeah. we've, 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 we've all seen Singing in the Rain. <laughs> you know, we, we, I mean, a lot of people saw it. Yeah, yeah, and people loved modern times at the time, hundred percent fresh, uh, which is what counts now. Um, yeah, fuck you, Citizen Kane. <laughs> it made a lot of money as well, yeah. so it is kind of the, uh, and, uh, like it is this triumphant moment. It's mm. huge, and it all worked. He was like, "Yeah, look, I can work for five years on a film, and I will only I." If I was Charlie Chaplin, I would simply spend five years making a film and it be an undeniable masterpiece where every joke is one of the best jokes in physical comedy, you know? Um, but it is also... I too would be murdered by a corn machine. <laughs> um, no, yeah, let's get back to the talky thing because mm. this film has sync sound yeah. in it and it has synchronized dialogue. And, like, the first time we get that... The film starts. There, there's a, there are words on the screen that say, "Hey guys, welcome to the movie." It's called Modern Times. Uh, it's about uh, these times that are modern that we live in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we hope you enjoy it, uh, Charlie Chaplin. We think it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, please. The, um, his first ever feature film, as opposed to Six Reeler, yeah. A Woman in Paris, which he is not in and is not a comedy. It is a drama. Yeah. It is him. It, and it is like, it's a, it's just a silent drama film. Um, and it stars Ed Verpervance, his, his, his most common co-star, and also uh, at, at times his partner. And that film, literally the first thing you see is a card appears on screen saying the the proprietors of this theatre of this film would like you to know that Charlie Chaplin wrote and directed this film but does not appear in it. And that that was the first film that was negatively received of like there was short right, but like yeah. that was the first thing he did that failed. Like it's a silent drama and it's not a bad silent drama, but it's just you know, it's just a silent drama. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Almost the best part of the Countess from Hong Kong, there are some gags in it that are good. Is that it? It, it is uh, his credit is an original film written and directed by Charles Chaplin, um, which is it's like know. how uh, the movie uh, Lockout, also known as uh, Space Jail, yeah. <laughs> uh, begins with a credit saying uh, uh, based on an original idea by Luc Besson, which is uh, hilarious, uh, both because uh, Luc Besson doesn't do original ideas and also because uh, the movie it's just Escape from New York. Or like, like they, 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 they got sued by like by yeah. John Carpenter's people and they lost because it's just Escape from New York. Yeah, kind of like um, a soldier in Terminator. Mm. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, mm. the f- the film starts. Oh, it's a new Charlie Chaplin film. Hooray! Mm-hmm. Hooray! Yeah. Um, 
and we're at a big old factory and it's it's a it's a metropolis factory. Yeah. It's a giant cog-filled steam shooting panopticon. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a horrifying place. Yeah, where where uh, human where like uh, where where the poor become serfs, uh, uh, slaves to capitalist machinery. Yeah, and it, it's barely subtext. Yeah, and and like the way I would describe it, like I think the thing to say, at least for me to say, I hope you agree, or and if you don't, it's fine. You're a different person. Is that um, you should just watch Modern Times. Like, yeah. it, it, it's great. It's ninety minutes long. It, uh, yeah, it, every like, and it's funny. Like, yeah, it is. There's there's tons of great jokes, and there'll be lots of things we like. Oh, I've seen, I've I've seen a picture of that before. Oh, and, oh, I've seen people recreate this in like The Simpsons or something. And and then once you've seen it, listen to this podcast, and then go enjoy the tweet I'm going to do later today, which is. Which will actually be several days ago by the time you hear <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll be on Tuesday if you're listening to this on the Friday it goes out. Mm. Um, uh, which um, the the idea I'm having is that the, the tweet will be um, Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times is about the year 2021, and you can't and you can't tell me otherwise. Full stop. A case study in four captions because they are incredible. Mm. The 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 way he uses the captions uh, to describe plot, it is like driven to insanity. The man must return to the machine, <laughs> and like only seeking respite, he returns to the only place he can call home—a prison—and things like that. And hopefully, that will have between one and seven likes. Yep, one will be yours, right? Yeah, probably. Please. Hey, Please, Finn. hey, forget about it. Ben, oh. like my tweet. Oh, I'm Tony Danza over here. Oh, <laughs> Anthony Danza. How are you? Nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> who? Tell me. Who is the. You weren't who's the boss, were you? I don't believe so. I was. Uh, Let me. I'll just. I'm, uh, probably, I'm probably most famous for playing uh, uh, Don John's dad in Don John. <laughs> he was. Ah. Oh. Hmm. Who was what was John Ritter in? Uh, he 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 was in uh, like uh, he, Menage a Fuck the Three Simpsons. Oh, yeah, um, yeah uh, he was also in uh, uh, he was also in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ah. Episode Ted. Yeah, yeah, where he was a uh, where he was a robot uh, stepdad. Yeah, um, who made uh, 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 made uh, cookies with, uh, with with drugs in them to, to keep everyone uh, sedated. Oh, that's right. Not like. The good cookies with drugs. No, j- I mean yes, to keep people sedated. It, I just I, I uh, <laughs> we were in a real like I feel like nothing could I think nothing underlines the fact that I'm just so aware my parents listen to this, but fuck it, I'm a 33 year old adult. Um, I'm uh. I'm aware that nothing divides us more than the fact that recently, like, the best experience I had, you know, like, me and, me and Brian have been talking emotionally a lot recently. We're really connecting. Like, that. that's the true great achievement, you know, and experience of my life is growing to know and be known with a loving partner. Yeah. Um, okay, that seems like I'm mocking <laughs> you now. I'm just saying that if I didn't have that, I would, you know, explode. <laughs> um, getting quite intoxicated on an undisclosed narcotic <laughs> and, and, and turning all the lights out and, and uh, drinking chocolate milk <laughs> and watching the kid in Gold Rush 
And it was like the best, like, I just, you should definitely do that. And I feel like what I've just described sounds like a nightmare to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the silent comedies and chocolate movies. Yeah, yeah no. I, I, my recommendation for you of doing that is just do it without, you know, you don't. Now, like, which which brand of chocolate milk do you go with? It was Primo. It was, it was, oh, it was okay. a discount at the supermarket for a liter and a half of Primo right, for like yeah. six bucks. The thing is, like, if 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 you if you're sober, it's got to be like Lewis Road Creamery, or it just doesn't count. You barely even notice it's chocolate milk. Otherwise, uh, no, I think there are this. I I, I okay, hmm. yeah. Hmm. Uh, no, hmm. then yeah. I'm glad you've raised this. Welcome to um Milken. <laughs> just well, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Milk Time. Um, milk Time for Milk Boys. It's a it's a public access uh, podcast daily, <laughs> where we we discuss and review various cho- chocolated milks um, or flavored milks. Yep. Um, Finn once again coming in with his statement that it's got to be Lewis Road Creamery. Yep. And, and I, I except don't don't get their fucking rose milk flavor garbage. Just like disgusting and undrinkable. I, 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 um, for our international listeners, there, there's a brand of chocolate milk here, uh, called Lewis Road Creamery, um, who but, were at one point so successful that there were guards on the milk counters at supermarkets. Yeah. Like, Look it up. That's a real thing. Yeah. There's independent chocolate milk companies started up seven or eight years ago. And within like a couple of months, it was such a sensation that like, Supermarkets were selling out as soon as they opened, and yeah, and there was like it, it, at least the threat of physical violence uh, because people loved yeah. this chocolate milk so much. It was a real sense of like how that woman got trampled trying to get a Furby. Yeah, um, and during that rush, of course, they had to ramp up production, mm. and, and so they started bringing in milk from not their own creamery, but like they use Fonterra milk, right? Yeah, and and I think as we've discussed so much on this daily podcast that I think you can notice that. Mm. And the thing that's nice about Primo, which is like, is that it's unpretentious. It's, it's, unpre- it, 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 it's your central to upper market chocolate milk. Yeah. It's, it, 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 it's branded. It's cool. There's lots of swooshing about mm. it. A lot yeah, of rainbows, but what like, I, it's better than Kelsey yum, um, which is basically just water. Like, yeah, no, calcium yum yogurts, mm. the, the 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 chocolate yogurt. Yeah, sure. Sorry, should... no, this isn't <laughs> this isn't the culture cast uh, yogurt <laughs> spinoff. Sorry, the culture cast where we talk about yogurt and karma chameleon. <laughs> yeah, so we're at a factory <laughs> to describe this factory. No, just go see Modern Times. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, no, I was telling you that I saw at the film festival at the embassy in Wellington, they would do screenings of silent films with live scores, and one of those was Modern Times. So I saw this when I was, you know, 8, 9, 10, with a live audience, with a live score. The sync sound was still in it, and just a whole room of a thousand people laughing and living with that film in one moment is one of the great communal experiences of my life. Mm. As I presume uh, watching it with me, at, at midday on a Tuesday in Newmarket was for you. Uh, yeah, a real, real high point. And I think because this film is so much it is about the poor and disadvantaged, and it's clearly about generating empathy for them. Yeah, I don't think this film would have the like. I think a lot of films run up against a problem of class, which is to say that they 
um, made for middle class or upper class people. And, yeah, and and even more than that, they, they, they were made by middle class and upper class people. Well, and like that's an interesting thing because like Charlie Chaplin was like went through periods, um, uh, had a very troubled relationship with his alcoholic father, uh, her had a troubled relationship whose mother who really suffered from mental illness mm. and died when he was very young which is why there's a lot of like paternal maternal imagery in his films mm. and there were like periods of time when he was like 14 15 16 of homelessness mm. and like being totally and so like he he like he was an like both of his parents were in the entertainment business but right. failed at it so it's not like he had no nepotism. He's genuinely a rags to riches story. Yeah. Um, and that's a really interesting thing because he then he went through theater, which became American film. But then very quickly within his arc through shorts, he was huge. You know, he spent a year at Keystone mm. and he started at $100 a week. And at the end, he demanded $1,000 a week. And that would have been a bargain. And so he has now kind of become an upper class person at this point. And it is telling that all of his films after this point, when he is in them, he is a middle or upper class person. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, the, so, the, yeah. So is, is this the last time he, do, he does the tramp? The, there is, yeah, like, yes, hmm. the great dictator, his, um, the barber character he plays in The Great Dictator is adjacent, right. but distinctly not. Okay. Mainly because he has a job and life, mm. whereas the tramp is- we'll, this, we'll have a job for like a day and then fuck it up incredibly. But he's also, but like, he'll only fuck it up because the job sucks. Yeah. Like, the, the, the pitch of the tramp is that here is a guy who will sincerely try and fix the problem that mm. is in front of him, and the problem is, is that right behind him, the problem is getting worse. <laughs> And that is why it is so strange. Like, in, no, that that that's why there's lots of interesting stuff about the the the, the tramp icon forming mm. over the shorts that we'll save for the episode yeah. where we talk about that. Um, but like at this point, the tramp is a set in stone icon. The tramp is more famous than Charlie Chaplin yeah. is. When you read about Charlie Chaplin, you're like the first great icon, the first international icon, and like there are a lot of arguments and a lot of directions as to why that could not be true mm. or why there are other people that's more true of but where you land is that like in a way that everyone knows who captain america is or um mickey mouse yeah or uh, bad boy bubby <laughs> or um just, just, just um uh, bad boy bubby just arrived on netflix new zealand yeah uh it's a difficult watch, but it's it, <laughs> okay. but it's yeah. uh, it's worth it. I think. I think just say it's a difficult watch. Is like the is 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 it, it, okay. Yeah. The first thirty minutes are some of the most unpleasant things I've ever seen in a movie, and I purposely yeah. only watch unpleasant movies. It's a it's a difficult watch. Saying that before seeing a bad boy, Bobby is like telling someone it might be a bit cold and then throwing them into an iceberg. <laughs> like technically. Yes, mm. um, but it's, it's got got an incredible central performance. Yeah, no, it's yeah. not. I'm not arguing yeah, no, against I, I, it. I know, I know. It is just. I think Bad Boy Bubby is one of the extremes. It's like audition. Yeah. Um. Uh. It is like First of Love. It's like Mother. Um. And it's like Zack Snyder's Joss Whedon. Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League. The Snyder Cut. The Whedon Cut. The Snyder Cut. In that they they're not films for people. They're 
they're the hard stuff for people where, which normal films have worn off on. Yeah. You know? Where they're, they're the films for us. It's, not- it's, it's a film for someone who wants to see a movie where every single location was shot by a different cinematographer. Yeah. Oh, shit. That's good. Mm. Um, but so we meet, so we go into this factory and this factory, the thing to know about this factory, uh, in my head, when Charles, Charlie Chaplin meeting with the production designer, he just starts yelling the word cogs. And, and then the production designer just writes down the word cogs. And then Charlie Chaplin is just like, you keep, he keeps doing it. You've not written it big enough. Cogs, cogs, cogs. I want you to imagine the biggest cogs you can think of. Big, thick, round cogs. I want you to think of big, lots of them. Lots of cogs everywhere. Interlocking. Interlocking, intertwining, fighting. Cogs, interlinked. <laughs> some long, some short, some thick. Some narrow, some chode cogs, <laughs> all interacting in, in different ways. There are just so many cogs. And the first thing we see is we see the man in charge of this place, uh, uh, the boss, at a, kind of like a weirdly space-age desk yeah. for the time. Um, and what does he do? He turns on a TV in his office and starts watching a thing that like didn't exist at the time, but what we'd now think of as like security camera footage. Of yeah. of his of all, all of his workers in different parts of a factory because it's a panopticon as you yeah. said. Yeah, I mean he 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 like calls into one of them at their workstation and tells him to work faster. Yeah, he tells <laughs> he tells him to turn the line faster, and he says it, and we hear it. What the first spoken lines in in a Charles Chaplin film? Um, there 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 are some sync sound effects as, as I said mm. in City Lights, um, and all the almost until the very end all spoken dialogue sync spoken dialogue is is through mechanical interruption yeah so we we meet the tramp um and he he's working on a construction line tightening nuts on bits of um metal he's tightening nuts near cogs yeah, um, right. and he okay so, yeah, now, he, he, now he, i want he, you to attempt the impossible job of describing a Charlie Chaplin routine through words. Okay, so he's working on a production line. Oh, yeah, I got it. There's a conveyor belt. Yeah. Along this conveyor belt, there are pieces of metal with, with like, nuts on them. Yeah. And his... Uh, he's, <laughs> yeah, fuck you. Uh, he, he's, he's got two wrenches, and his job is to is to tighten uh, both yeah. the nuts on each on each of these uh, pieces of metal that goes past. Oh, I think some and bone is coming. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> And, Sorry. and then right next to him, uh, there is a guy with a big hammer, and he has to he has to hit everything that go that goes past him. And uh, he's got to they they both got to do their job fast, yeah. Because if they miss one, then everything uh, everything like fucks up. Um, but luckily, knowing everything was fine. They Ev- look like they're doing their yep. jobs. Everyone's uh, totally competent, so uh, uh, they seem to be getting along fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do that for ninety to one hundred minutes. Yep. Then credits roll, and the film's over, and you're like. Yep. Wow, it was, it was experimental. It, it, it's interesting that Chaplin chose to spend five years working on a film. Uh, it was about, just a 90-minute single take. About how great. Yeah, it's, it's a real Russian arc um, <laughs> uh, about how uh, automization uh, of the workers during the Great Depression was an unalloyed <laughs> good thing and that we should treat people like machines. Yeah. That's what the big speech at the end is about. He looks at the camera and he's like, it's great that I am not a person within this. Yep. It's heartbreaking. 
So, wait, you're t- are you telling me something different, <laughs> Finn? You got a look on your wow. face. Look, I've just—I have to tell you—I feel asleep at this point. I'm just improvising what I think the rest of the film is. So, uh, uh, you know, he—he's he, trying—he's trying to do—he's trying to do his work. He's trying to do a good job. Yeah. You know, he—he wants—he wants to do this <laughs> shitty job tightening nuts. But uh, but every so often he'll he'll miss one and. And then that means the, the, the guy with the hammer will have to miss it. And so he has to run down to the other end of the line and, and tighten up and then, like, and then like work his way back up the line, tightening all the ones that he's missing. And uh, he'll get distracted by like a bee uh, uh, hung on a fishing line in front of his face. But it works. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so there, there are different things like that will distract him and it, uh, it fucks him up and he, he, gets, he gets anxious. And then the, the guy with the hammer starts like kicking him and stuff. Pretty funny, um, and, and you know he, it's one of those things that uh, uh, you have to see <laughs> because it's a, a silent comedy routine. Uh, he's uh, essentially uh, driven into a state of mania. He starts tightening nuts that aren't on the conveyor belt, including yep. on like the back of a guy's shirt. Yeah, well, um, there's, there's, there's yeah, his day just becomes like increasingly stressful. There's a bit where he tries like go to the bathroom and, and smoke a cigarette. But then a TV in the corner of the bathroom turns on, and and his boss leans in and just like and just like looks him dead in the eyes, like get back to work, stop dawdling. I, and you're like, oh okay, he lives in a like hellish capitalist panopticon. Yeah. Uh, uh, cool. And, I wonder what that's like. And like the the a thing about that moment specifically, which is great. No, I can't just say it's great. It's all great. It's all great. There's not a bit of this film where I'm going to be like this hilarious all time, but that will be remembered as surely as anything else. Who was it? Fucking like someone like Wells or Bogdanovich, one of those people said that like that Chaplin and Chaplin is the tramp and so kind of modern times. Cause I think this film is kind of like, it is, it's the encapsulation of all of that. Yeah. Um, it, it's the, er object. Um, the object. <laughs> yeah. Um, is the one thing we can actually be sure will survive for centuries. Like when people look back at cinema in 300 years, we don't know if they're going to be like, so Luca Guadagino's (laughs) Suspiria, better than the original. They probably will not have heard of either of those films. The way we've not heard of work by composers 300 years ago or, or playwrights or meaty playwrights from years ago, you know? But like Chaplin will be like Shakespeare, yeah. Um, and so seeing him in this strikingly modern context, and that felt true at the time. And but the thing that really shot that that strikes me about this scene of him in the bathroom being watched first, there's a there's an obvious special effect; they're layering two bits of footage on there. But also, someone is speaking in sync sound to the tramp, and and it feels so alien to who the tramp is the mm. tramp cannot have a voice um or sh- like cannot be cannot speak cannot yeah. be spoken to he he's he's voiceless both literally and symbolically and so yeah that that's horrifying and so of course they decide to test a new meal machine on him well and i uh, i i think like it, it is a like incredibly like purposeful thing that the the main person you hear talk like in the movie is the guy who runs the company like he 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 yeah. is the one who has a voice and and everyone who works under him is just some like fucking idiot in a silent film 
Yeah, but but he 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 is able to like he he is able to like express his will, and he he has to be listened to in a way that like his his opinion matters to to yeah. to the society presented in the film in a way that no one else's does. Well, and, and like the joke we kept. I kept making is is how almost all of the slapstick is people having fatal injuries done to themselves. Yeah, like uh, the realistic version of this film is three minutes long. They speed up the thing. He gets hit on in the head with the hammer once and dies. Yeah, and so many of those orders are coming from the man with the voice in in these factory scenes. Um, and so like the, the he is ordering control and he's ordering like death <laughs> or threat. But these guys come in and they put on a record which plays an ad for this new eating machine. Your workers won't need lunch breaks because we can feed them as they work. And they're like, let's try this contraption. It's got compressed air to cool the soup. It's got a metal uh, food mover to push pieces of like cake into, into your worker's mouth. Got an automatic corn cob holder. And, and who... Who draws the short yeah, straw to you know test it's, this out? It's the craziest coincidence. They what? decided to test out on uh, the You're not going to tell me, not the protagonist of the film we are watching? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they decide to try this horrifying automatic lunch machine on uh, Charles Chaplin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they they strap him into it, and the, 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 yeah, the, the whole like beauty of it is like it it fits over the production line so his hands can stay underneath doing his job. And, and, and every time, and his hands can. Yeah. Continue working yeah, throughout it, it, this whole yeah, sequence. Yeah. And it's uh, it's good. But um yeah, and and so they, they they start feeding him food and like first of all it like gently raises a bowl of soup to his lips and he and Oh it also has an automatic face wiper. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that is just like it, to me it always looks like a cut of brie. Yeah. Um uh to to roll like the round side across your face, yeah, well, like maybe it's supposed to be like a sponge or something, but it seems hard. Yeah, it well, it does just end up. <laughs> See, this machine, you think it would go well, but it, and turns it does out, for a little bit. This machine is a bit more of a contraption, if you <laughs> ask me, and yeah. it just ends up being a machine to just beat up Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, he, he just <laughs> like he just ends up getting hit in the face with the face wiper. Like he has the automatic, uh, uh, the automatic like uh, corn rotator, just like grinding away at his face for a couple minutes at, one point, at top speed. At one point, you said that the corn kernels flying away look like his teeth, and like yeah, I buy it. Yeah, um, and, and and this is the point where you're like, oh, I think this film is about how automation is dangerous when put in the hands of capitalism. Yep. Anyway, after his ordeal with the lunch machine. He has un petit nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah, he he starts running out into the street and 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 tr- and trying to like uh, tighten nuts on people. He uh, I mean he gets chased by a police officer and he he runs back into he runs back into the factory and uh, starts brandishing an oil can like a sword and hanging from the rafters and squirting oil on people. And 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 it is at this point when and like this is when he runs out onto the street. Every time he's out on the street. There are a hundred extras. Mm. It looks like it's an absolute. They they built well, this. Not not in, in in this first part. There's not. But when okay. he gets out of jail later, okay. there is. Yeah. And in this part, there's maybe twenty. But there's still like there's always some. And mm. this is where you see this guy. And so like when he's hanging from the ceiling of this factory, like the time you spend in this factory, at least for me, is is more me being like, oh, so that's not a painted backdrop. Oh, they built that. Yeah. Oh, they built later. There's a bit where they go up into cogs, and you're like. 
They built all those are huge cogs. I would really struggle to ride cogs that huge. Yeah. There are always parts of this movie where you're like, oh wow, that's a really cool map painting. I mean like, oh no, that's an incredible set. Yeah. And and there there are sometimes where you're like, that's an incredible stunt. Oh no, it's an incredible map painting. Yeah. So he loses his job. Because uh, 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 well, employment he, he, law is terrible. Yeah, well, he also does blow up a bunch of a factory. <laughs> he, 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 he goes back to the guy who was being told by the boss earlier to like do things at different speeds. Yeah. Like, it's basically just the character of Grot from Metropolis who controls the heart machine. We get it, Charlie. <laughs> but, um, I'm, and like uh, uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, great creative, full of ideas, mm. not unknown to lift. Sure, but like, but like, this is also the movie that like you want Metropolis to be, like, yeah, because because like there, there's lots of great stuff in Metropolis. It is a incredible technical accomplishment. But the the like we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to Metropolis in like like thirty or forty weeks, like thirty seven weeks. I get, I get, let, let, yeah. Well, let me tell you, precise Amundo. We look out for our episode on. Metropolis by Fritz Lang. It's dr- dr- dropping on the twenty sixth of November in the year twenty twenty one. The 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 like thing about Metropolis is that like the w- w- when that movie came out, people were like oh this is this is communist propaganda. But like the ending of Metropolis and the whole kind of point of Metropolis is yeah sure maybe the owners should be nicer to the people who work in their factories, but uh. It's only because the people who work there are too dumb to do anything else, and we and we got to have like someone from the up, from the upper classes to like make deals on behalf of them because they're fucking idiots. When you find out, oh, a few years after this, the writer of the film became a Nazi, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas, and and when we get to both M and Metropolis, I'm going to read excerpts of my essay about how uh, Taya von Harbour became a Nazi. Give us a little preview. No, I can't remember any of it. Do, but it's just good. freestyle stuff. It's good stuff. But. I'll give you. I'll drop you a beat. Okay. <laughs> My name is <laughs> Rewind uh, your Nazi point on Metropolis because yeah. uh, it leads somewhat to like this. All of his films are political because all film is political, and, and like uh, uh, there's obviously a special affinity with the homeless because mm. his character is a tramp who is most of the time portrayed as homeless. Yeah, uh, and like the kid is him making an autobiographical feature or long short. We will get to it um, uh, about his experience of being homeless when he was right. very young. Part of what makes this the point city lights was great but there was there was always some personal scandal around him and some of that quote unquote scandal was the fact that he's a pedophile that he married a child yeah, yeah. because she was pregnant yeah um and which uh fuck you that's don't like just every element of that do not that kind of crescendoed with modern times is because this film obviously has a very political message. Mm. And when people look at this film, and especially at The Great Dictator, a film about how fascism is bad and that people are more important than money, um, in, in that way that when uh, fascists were like, why are we killing Nazis and Wolfensteins? Like, you're revealing a lot about yourself. Uh, uh, elements within... Man. 
I got so upset when Wolfenstein went woke. <laughs> uh, elements within and without the American political apparatus were like, oh, this guy's making films about how we should be nice to people and no one should be cold and alone. And mm-hmm. also fascism is bad. This is clearly a direct attack on us. Yep. Um, which fed, quote unquote, scandal, leading to the point where he made Limelight, which is a film set in London. He made it in L.A., but went to premiere it in London in 1952, traveled over there, was not allowed back right. uh, because they had to question him because they thought he was a communist. And I like my, my, my lazy take. I don't think he was a communist. I just think he was like most people uh, aware that capitalism uh, hurts people more than it helps people mm. or even Capitalism just has the capacity to create great harm, and we should put things in place for that not to happen. Yep. Well, so he he's he's he's, he's taken to the like to the to, to like an asylum first. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after he's in, in after the, he's cured of his nervous breakdown, yep. he's, he's released onto the streets. Yeah. Uh, where he accidentally leads a workers' demonstration. Yeah. Is set he, uh, during the depression. He's just out of prison. And the, the first thing he does is he's walking along the street and he sees a truck drive by that for some reason has a flag on the back of, like, hanging off the back of a, like, a piece of wood or something. Yeah, because it needs to be there for the gag to yeah. work. And uh, it falls off and he uh, picks it up and runs out in the street waving it. Be like, hey, hey, you dropped your flag. Yeah. And then uh, just as he does that, boy, you wouldn't believe it. A worker's demonstration yeah, like rounds the corner people. behind him. Yeah. And. Uh, and he's he's walking. He doesn't notice them. He's he's a, an oblivious fool. He's just walking, waving the flag, and everyone's walking behind him, chanting and holding signs and going. And it's just like, please give us jobs and like let us support our families and ourselves. Um, and uh, then, uh, because this is a uh, a movie with no basis in fiction, uh, the the police come in and uh, the, the the police ride in on horses and beat everyone up. Uh, yeah, and, and so he has taken to prison, where through some an amusing misunderstanding, uh, he intercepts a drug smuggler's cocaine yeah. <laughs> and takes a bunch of it. Yeah, and, and, and what I think might be uh, the only uh, cocaine scene in a movie I've ever found funny. <laughs> um, oh, sure. Well... I mean, apart from Hick. <laughs> Cocaine. Remember she has the cocaine hallucinations in Hick? <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> Flashing across my mind like yeah. half-remembered nightmare. Go, 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 go back and listen to an episode on Tuki Buki and Hick. It's, it's not our best work, but it, like you get to hear about the cocaine yeah. hallucinations. But hopefully every, th- every episode before the current episode isn't our best work. Yeah. And also, go, go and watch Tuki Buki. He, he accidentally does a bunch of cocaine hidden in a salt shaker and ha- like in a way he has this expression like his it's sinking into him striking him like he's both falling asleep and being struck by lightning <laughs> that he does every time he gets a great hit that feels like the exact it is like every other person's impression of doing cocaine on film yeah is 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 a shadow of this platonic ideal yeah, of it that is, image it is so fucking funny, um, and, and yeah, and he so then like the like mealtime is over. They all have to go back to their cells, 
and but because he's on coke, he's he's walking a bit cuckoo. He's walking in circles. He's going, mm. and he, uh, uh, he 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 ends up walking out into the yard and getting locked out of the cell. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when he's trying to get back into his cell, uh, he runs into a prison escape. Yeah. Where uh, uh, where like three of the inmates have uh, uh, have have taken a guard hostage and have taken his gun and uh, the 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 tramp uh, basically uh, uh, beats them all up and uh, uh, and 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 helps uh, stop the, the prison escape and then he gets released early because of it. Uh, no uh, no class consciousness on his part. Yeah. <laughs> well, because he's yeah, like yeah. It, it was. Because he hasn't seen Parasite yet. Well, and we were talking about Alan Partridge, uh, and, and I think the Tramp is like Alan Partridge as a comedy character because I think they are both. They have both endured through a lot of content. Yeah, and, and having seen, I have not seen all Tramp content. I aim to by the time mm. we're at City Light, and yeah, no, like the Tramp has evolved in some ways, but it's still kind like watching uh, 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 Kid Races at Venice. Mm. Which was the first film in which um, uh, the Tramp appears that was released? It was actually the second they shot, but it is it it's his second ever shot at Keystone, and it's seven minutes of him noticing that a news cameraman is filming races and wanting to get in shot and just staring at a camera, and his Tramp, he, mm. he's right there. This is not like the original drawings of Mickey Mouse, where you're like, oh, that spiky demon. <laughs> Uh, he's still yeah. and like you know, it would take, it would take him a few years to 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 fully perfect the the least charismatic character in fiction, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Just a garbage, shitty fucking character. I don't know. that has destroyed copyright trying to protect him, even though he fucking sucks ass. Here we meet our other lead-ish character, yeah. who is an orphan girl, Ellen, played by Paulette Goddard. Yeah, she oh. is fleeing the police. Because she has Aladdined and stolen a loaf of bread. Yeah, she, she yeah, she, she, she is a sort of like protector of the of the homeless uh, children of the city. Uh, she, yeah, she, so the first time we see her, she's uh, jumped onto a boat at the docks, mm. and she's uh, slicing off, uh, she's slicing off bananas and throwing them up to the orphans. Yeah, and then every time it cuts back to her, she like puts the knife in it between her teeth and goes, ah, oh, and it's great, and and and, and this. It's great. It's charming. It, it it's so fun. And and a thing that 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 Chaplin really learned to do in his directing, you can see him failing at it early on, is kind of making everyone in the film as funny as he is. Mm. Uh, and by some accounts, that's because he would literally just say like, "Do this, act it for them, and then do enough takes until they did something that was like what he did." Right. But which is bad. Uh, I think that's a bad way to work, but also mm, it works. Uh, and I guess what I'm saying is I am arguing with the results. <laughs> um, but is that when you meet her, you're so like she's immediately so charming, and, and you're so immediately on her side that you're like that you're like oh, I can't wait until she meets the tramp. That is the point I was trying to get to. Alan Partridge, the tramp. Oh right. The, with yeah, because he he is released from prison. Uh, because he has stopped uh, this prison escape, and he's like, "No, I don't, I don't, I don't want to escape from prison. This is the best place I've got." Yeah, I've I got tons been. of cocaine here, and, and I, th- I think the re- the tramp went for for a long time, and, and like, 
never really failed, at mm. least commercially. Um, and, and like Partridge is coming off, it's like thirtieth year. Yeah, and all Alan Partridge content goes from, oh, that's quite good, that's <laughs> worth seeing, to five star gold, excellent, yeah, incredible. Um, and and, and I'm wondering why that is because they've turned through so many things. Like Alan Partridge has a podcast, he has books, and why are some of those not? Why is there a lack of? Why why isn't there a dip? Why mm. isn't there a sense of churn to it? Why there's no sense of like you know how there's a Mr. Bean animated series and yeah. like nah. and and it is because I think in both cases and that they is that they are both distinctly characters rather than jokes. Mm. Mr. Bean is a joke which is like, what if there was the dumbest man in the world and everything went wrong yeah. and he did the dumb thing? Whereas the tramp is like, here is this guy who is just trying to get by and things always get worse for him, but he will always try to help, but he's a coward. Mm. He has this face of dignity, this very thick mask that sh- that can fall incredibly quickly. Like, and, and like Alan Partridge is the, is this person. It's, it's Steve Coogan character. If you don't know who Alan Partridge is, uh, who is um, basically just a shit middle-class Boomer broadcaster. Yeah, this is a character that started on on a radio show called On the Hour in like yeah. 1991, created by Stuart Lee and Richard Herring, yeah. the character of Alan Partridge. And then then the character moved to a show called The Day Today, uh, where he was like one one of the like side characters. And then he got like a bunch of his own TV shows, and radio shows, radio then. shows, a movie, books, and like and Steve Coogan has been playing him on and off for 30 years now. Yeah. Um, and, and is that both of these characters? Uh, uh, have enough in like a sense of interiority mm. of a persona to them that you're kind of like, yeah, because we were talking about the second series of the new Alan Partridge show has started, and it's like, why, why hasn't that found? And because you're like, oh, I do kind of want to know what Alan Partridge's response to COVID is. <laughs> like, do do I like this is just like, what is the tramp like in prison? And then you're like, oh yeah, he he would accidentally take cocaine and but because within their personalities is this desperate need to be loved Mm. and supported they both characters are so willing to immediately sell themselves and so there's still an element of surprise all of their behavior so they can easily double back on themselves yeah and and surprise you an audience. So all of everything they do feels inevitable, but surprising. Like there's narrative, uh, uh, there's satisfying and brilliant narrative architecture built into the characters. And so it is that thing of like, yeah, what happens when the tramp meets people trying to break out of prison? Oh, well, he accidentally hands them in. Like that's the tramp's thing, you know, like if Alan Partridge met them, he would attempt a citizen's arrest yeah. and then piss himself, you know? <laughs> And then call Lynn about it, or 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 he yeah, would. Yeah, that's a movie called Ellen Partridge Alpha Papa. Or or he could equally, you know, Steve Coogan could also sell. He also pretends to be a criminal, you know. <laughs> but like that is, like that is the point I'm trying to get to. Is like the tramp is so easily an image. Hmm. The derby hat, the cane, in the shorts, the hammer. He loves hitting people with a hammer yeah. in those shorts. His uh, moustache, yeah, which yeah, everyone loves. Well, so he runs into Ellen. The orphan, stolen bread. She's fleeing the police. He sees the good in her, and then yeah, 
tells the police that he's the thief and is like, arrest me, take me to jail, please. Yeah, but because he also wants to kind of go back to jail. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's better in there. Yeah, this is the point in the film where you realise that the lead character's uh, motivation is to go to prison because the depression is so bad and and capitalism has made work so horrible Mm. that he would rather be in jail. Yeah. Yeah, so he 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 like takes a he takes her bread off her and says to the police, "Oh, I've cheated her bread. I took her bread." And they start marching her off. Uh, but then this fucking woman who who saw who who saw her steal her bread in the first place, she she says, "No, she's not. Uh, he's not one who stole her bread. She stole her bread. Arrest her instead." Yeah. Like, haven't you heard of Jesus? He's he's do- Charlie Chaplin's doing a sacrifice. This is the ha- this is the highest good a person can do in your fucking religion. Is this the earliest Karen we have on film? So he's like, I need to get arrested again. He goes into a cafeteria, eats shitloads of food and doesn't pay, Get calls a police officer over and is like, see, I just stole, arrest me. One tick. He, he's already handcuffed. He turns around to a news agent. Well, yeah, the police officer takes him outside and goes to like a, a police call box. Yeah, and while he is making the call, uh, yeah, uh, Ch- Chaplin just like steps over to, to, the, to the news agent and just starts talking to him, hiding the fact that he's handcuffed. And I'm like, oh, can I have a cigar? Uh, can, I, can I have a cigar? Yes, I'm gonna take a cigar. Can you like one thing? He likes a cigar, and he starts taking candy, and passing it out to children and, and cigars. He yeah. gives those children cigars. Um, not no, you, you got you got to get him started young. I just, there are just not that's good my, jokes about Charlie Chaplin grooming people. Look, that's what my best friend Joe Camel told me. So, the tramp is arrested, put in a paddy wagon. Ellen is also in there. And she's like, let's escape. And you'll never guess what they fucking do. They escape. Isn't it like a truck crash? Oh, yeah. And then, and yeah, then and they then, yeah, and then they jump out. Um, it's a pretty great. He hits crash. a policeman on the head with a with a with a truncheon. Yeah, there's just a lot of head. His uh, turnabout is fair play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yes, I want to be clear. Uh, the police have performed so much violence on the public across the world that true restorative justice would give every human like one or two hits on a policeman. I don't gen- I, like there's a reason I'm not in politics. <laughs> they escape. The tramp gets a job as a night watchman at a department store. So we I was gonna say we we did also totally miss the thing where he uh, fucks up a boat. Like Fuck that's right, I forgot. Like that's the scene where he decides to go back to prison. <laughs> yeah. he, he he gets a job at a shipyard and <laughs> and and everyone's like hammering stuff and like building and there's, there's this like giant half built boat in a in a dry dock. And it's the kind of boat which you could only afford if you had five years and, and your own film studio and your own film studio and millions upon millions of dollars yeah like this is at the point where you're like oh this film is almost ostentatious in how real and huge things are. yeah and they need to get some wood to build the boat with and he's looking around for wood and he he sees a piece of wood on the ground he tries to pick it up but uh you know what? There's there's some bloody there's some stuff on top of it. So he pulls out the, this he pulls out this like diagonal piece of wood, and uh, you it's know a, it's a chalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I keep thinking of the word chalk. I was like, no, that's not correct. I know it's not. A, I know it's not I, a chalk. I was a sea scout for nearly mm. a year. I was, I was a sea scout as well. I don't remember anything though. Both sea scouts. Yeah, both sea scouts. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, he. That's what we should call our fans, sea scouts. 
He he. It means cunts, girls. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, he pulls this, he pulls this chalk out from the boat, and you just see how do we get? Yeah, <laughs> and you just see this entire half half uh, boat just just like slide back into a river and fucking sink. And there, there's a shot of him in front of it happening. Which is clearly him being in front of it is rear projection. Yeah. But it's like... But they did actually film it. They did actually film a full-size, full yeah. half-constructed, like, it's like oh, a ship, yeah. not a boat, yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> falling into the water. And it is like, he, he shoots a look at his boss and is like, I need to go back to prison. Well, yeah, yeah. There's this long shot of him, like... Of his back as he looks at it sliding into the river, there is a there is a reaction shot of all the other workers just horrified, and then it cuts to him. He puts on his hat, picks up his jacket, gets his cane, and then there is an entitled saying, "I'm determined to go back to prison." <laughs> it's good. It's good. It's very good. So he has a job as night watchman at a department store, yeah, and because he gets his job as a night watchman, he's able to bring. Uh, wh- whatever her name is, and and with him, yeah, he's a night watchman at the department right. store. That means the two of them can live there, yeah, at night, sleeping in the bed. Some charming business there. Yeah, he like gives her a bunch of food. They go to a bed store. She puts on a fur coat and, and like lies in a big fancy bed. Uh, he they, they go to, like a toy store, I think, and 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 try and roller skates. And yep. there is uh, uh, and there's a uh, like fantastic roller skating scene. Where yeah. he does what looks like an incredible stunt, but it's just—I uh, I mean, it still is. Yeah, and and this is another example of just like the tramp is a great enough creation, and, and Chaplin's skill as a physical performer on film, which is matched like only by like Buster Keaton, Donald O'Connor, <laughs> Keanu Reeves, uh, at, like. You know, Michelle Yeoh, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, is, that, that is the, 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 the caliber of people. Scott Adkins, even. Yeah. Um, and, but the combination of those two things leads to, like, oh, he's in a department store. And then it's like, oh, the tramp tries on roller skates. And you've got five minutes of, inc- of like, yeah, of, of like all time great iconic cinema. Yeah. That is also about a poor person, the only way a poor person can exist. In a rich person's world is by guarding it from other poor people, mm. and you're like, "Oh, yeah. buddy, what a move!" Three burglars come in. They are led by Big Bill. Yeah, who who is a guy with a hammer in the uh, in the opening scenes in the factory? Burly is what I'd call him. He's yeah. a burly man. And Big Bill recognizes the tramp, and he's like, "Hey, you, hey, hey, you were buddies. Hey, we're both poor. Let us steal some stuff. We are hungry. We are desperate." Right. Oh yeah, yeah. He says like, "Hey, we're 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 not we're not we're not robbers. We're just, we're hungry." Yeah, yeah. And so he lets them. They they share drinks. Yeah. He wakes up the next well, morning. There's there's also a gag where like where when he is still like fighting them before Big Bill recognizes him. Uh, he's still on the roller skates. He's like going up and down the escalators on roller skates, and then uh, uh, he's he's over like a giant barrel of rum. Yeah. And they fire a shot into the barrel, and then all the rum just goes into his mouth when he gets drunk. Well, he, 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 yeah, he, 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 like, he wakes up in the morning just in, in the, like, uh, uh in the, like, woman's clothing section. Yeah. He's, like, under a pile of, under a pile of clothes. And, like, pops his head up and there's a bunch of, like, fancy women around who's like, oh, well, I never. And they, Margaret Dumont him. Yeah. Uh, and 
we get a bit of a time skip here, and then Ellen is like, I've found us a rundown shack to live in. And uh, they stay in the shack. It's run down. He yep. puts a chair, sits on the chair, chair goes through the floor. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's great. There's a bunch of bits where he tries to fix different parts of it, and every time he tries to fix something, it just breaks more and hits him in the head. They eat giant um, sandwiches, and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, is this the bit where he makes the rolls dance? And it's like, no, that's Gold Rush. Um, or Robert Downey Jr. in Chaplin. Or mm-hmm. Eddie Izzard in The Cat's Meow. Ooh. Or um, and one of many other lists of people who performed that routine but he sees on the front of the newspaper which is i think very important because it connects us to kit kitteridge an american girl he sees the factory an old factory is reopening yeah and it is and people can go back to work again and it's his old factory Mm. and so he runs to get a job he's the mechanics assistant the mechanic is getting everything working again after with his assistant, the man who destroyed everything. There were flame balls. There's everything. Uh, and so him and this um, mechanic do just an incredible, like, 10-minute routine of basically a clumsy tramp nearly killing a mechanic multiple times over yeah. in giant horrific machines. Yeah, there's a bit with, like, a giant, like, there's a bit with, with a giant, like, steam press. Yeah, a hydraulic press. Yeah, there's, there's a bit with a conveyor belt and some cogs. There's a bit where it looks like Charlie Chaplin's going to decapitate his boss. It's good. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a bit where he just like, just like drops pie on his face. It's good. Um, the other workers decide to go on strike. Not mm. enough has changed. And so they all leave with him. And of course, outside the tramp is like, I just, I just want to work. And to show his uh, annoyance, sta- uh, uh, stabs a policeman to death. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wish. That is the, sorry to bother you, version of this film, right? I mean, the, and the factory is full of horsemen. Yeah. Um, uh, L- L- if anyone wants to see modern times with uh, more horse dick, um, Richard, <laughs> sorry to bother you. No, I'm, there's enough cog in, in this. Yeah. That's a good joke. <laughs> and, and shut it's a, up. It's a reference to a joke from uh, four and a half hours ago. <laughs> hey, please, let's be fair. Time doesn't exist anymore. We don't know where we are. So outside the factory, striking workers, peacefully protesting. Yeah. The police hassle uh, the tramp a bit, and he uh, gets a bit annoyed by that and and steps on a log. On no, a, it's a plank. On a plank. Oh, I could not find a, a precarious <laughs> plank. Uh, which has upon it a brick yeah which flies into a cop and so he starts a riot mm. sadly and- the cop is not brained he's just sort of <laughs> he's just sort of dazed a bit that would if i could I- change one thing to this film like ted turner yeah. colorizing citizen Kane, <laughs> it would be the-, <laughs> the when that brick strikes that cop <laughs> like it is you know like the Sabruta footage <laughs> slowed down just like a balloon popping just yeah. a head gone and, and then there's an intertitle of one of the other police officers saying he got brained <laughs> no no just like Jesus Kevin what will I tell his family <laughs> I just think brained is such a funny word <laughs> he goes, like having your head smashed in and dying uh, he goes to prison uh, is released two weeks later 
finds out that Ellen is now a cafe dancer. Well, yeah. there's there's a scene where Ellen is dancing in the street, and when I would when I would describe her dancing, I would say that it's like she is. It's like she's in. Uh, it's can moving. you imagine a child pretending to be in zero gravity? <laughs> like it's like that. It's like all of the folk dancing in Wicker Man. She's just sort of like twirling around in the street a bit, and and this it cuts to a cafe owner being like. Oh, there's like a sign behind him saying like dancing waiters. Yeah, I mean he's like, hmm, she could be good for our cafe. Uh, and so she works there, and uh, the tramp joins her, uh, and uh, to use Wikipedia's description, goes about his duties clumsily. Yeah, yeah, you there, better fucking believe it. There's some indoor outdoor smashing waiter nonsense, but the key- does he knock over a tray? You bet your fucking ass he knocks over a tray. Multiple trays. Woo boy. Yeah. He knocks over the entree, the main course, the dinner, the poppadoms, all the bread. Mm-hmm. Um, and But he's like, he has to sing. And so she's like, you remember your song? You've got the lyrics. And, and he can't, he just can't. He, he goes up to sing. And when we've heard her sing or other people sing, it's also been sync sound. Mm. So it is, it is the tramp getting ready to speak but he cannot find the words that these moments when he's rehearsing he could sing and we could hear it but he can't yeah and and, and she, she's like written all, all of the words on on the on his like cuff yeah and when he goes out and starts doing his dance he throws his arm out and the cuff flies <laughs> off yeah what well, i feel like at, at a certain point this guy kind of has it coming yeah. to with the- like what did this guy do in a previous life to deserve this uh, and, and she and she says doesn't matter what the words are, just sing. And so he sings a nonsense song while yeah, doing... Which sort of sounds like Italian or French combined. It's, 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 yeah. Uh, um, while doing comedy pantomime. Mm. And he is kind of doing tramp bits. He is doing an impression of himself in mm. this moment. And, like, this is the thing. I think that this moment is like the speech at the end of The Great Dictator. I, I think... Him, him making, taking the scene and being like, look, the tramp will speak, but it will be nonsense. And the important thing is that he will give us a great show. Mm. The audience all around laughing up a flipping storm. They're eating it up. And it is. It These is, fools. It is this moment of him returning to his roots to close the book. Because then the, the cops show up and like, let's arrest old bread thief Ellen. Well, yeah, because she's like a juvenile and she's wanted for like vacancy or whatever. Yeah. Even though she has a job. Uh, no. and, and and so they shoddy world building. No, I mean, okay, defend that. <laughs> I think Chaplin's a hack. Defend that. No, I can't. Oh no, <laughs> I think Chaplin's a hack. I've only seen the Bond, the six-minute-long film he made, that telling people to buy war bonds. <laughs> I think Chaplin's a hack. I've only seen one of those movies, and it's very good. <laughs> Must be something up with a guy. <laughs> I mean, there, yes, there yeah, was. Do you remember the introduction? Ka-chow. <laughs> Thanks, Lightning. So, Ellen and the Tramp, they've escaped the police. Now they're out on the road, like a desert road to anywhere, away from the city, away from the modern times. And to continue just running for the authorities, searching for work under these desperate circumstances from which they can't escape. And Ellen despairs. She's like, I can't. But I actually, what is the point in trying? And the tramp bucks her up, grabs her shoulder, shakes her, and is like, come on, gotta do it. We can do this. 
and puts on a big smile. She puts on a big smile. And they walk off towards these rolling but slightly ominous hills into an uncertain future. And that is how the tramp leaves us, with a kind of forced grin, saying that if you keep trying under an unfair system, maybe you'll at least survive. Uh, and, and that's how the mon- that's how modern times ends. That's how um, the tramp leaves. And like modern times, we say goodbye to the tramp and to this uncertain future uh, for both of them, for Chaplin as well. Because debate as there is about the great dictator as to whether his character in in that is the tramp, I not I don't like. I don't think he is. Mm. Um, purely for the fact that he speaks, and the tramp cannot speak. He can only speak gibberish mm. and perform on the stage for us. Um, and the great dictator, people loved it. The okay, the great dictator comes out. It is a different kind of film. It's even more political, yeah, because it is. It's nineteen forty, and it's about Hitler. Like before, we knew how bad Hitler was. Yeah, before. and 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 Chaplin later said, like, you know, if 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 I if I knew like the true extent of how awful yeah. like Nazi Germany was, I wouldn't have done that movie. And, and the off the back of that, you know, modern times and great dictator together, as I've said created political trouble for him, where, which led to him, I think, kind of moving away from comedy. Monsieur Verdoux uh, and Limelight are both films, and King in New York and Countess from Hong Kong, to a lesser extent, um, feel like plays. They feel like filmed plays. Right. And that is because I... Uh, and. That is because I think that's what drama looks like to him, which is actually very similar to silent cinema, to silent comedy. But he's just adding voices. And they, The Great Dictator is great, but everything after that is markedly not as good. And and through that and through the very scandals and being kicked out of America, he fades from the screen. And, And... Getting the great dictator made and getting it seen was such a battle that that it kind of got out of there. And like the great dictator is is there are scenes in it that don't have jokes. There are many scenes that have incredible jokes. Yeah, as we will see in thirty years or whenever we do the back half of the list. But like the modern times is the Ur Chaplin tramp film, and is the last, and it is kind of the last Chaplin film. So that's like so you started at the beginning. Oh no, I just think that that is, that is interesting. That this is him kind of going like, "This is what I can do. Check it out. I'm going to walk off into the sunset. I've perfected it." Yeah. Later, and, and like I'm saying, it's sound. It is my long way of getting to this, but I think there is also something interesting to unpack in the fact that. It's so precise. There's so much money. There's so much time. You can feel how many takes. The choreography, the every move is perfectly machined. Every camera angle perfectly manicured. Is is that the film itself at points begins to feel as soulless as the machines it's against? 
uh, that's how I feel having come to it with a wider body of Chaplin knowledge. Right. This is this is me why I, why I will argue that I prefer City Lights and, and Gold Rush and Great Dictator when I get to it. Okay. But so what is is a, a first time Chaplin Easter? Finn, hmm. the Great Dictator, Shadow Sat. Nope. On times. No, on times. I was looking at the wrong Wikipedia page. I really, really li- liked it a lot. I I didn't totally like love it, and I, I think I probably will need to rewatch it because there are parts I didn't pay attention to. Yeah, but yeah, it is sort of like obviously a great film. I think, and the parts that I was paying attention to, and all the jokes in those parts are like incredible. And and it's one of those films that is great because it is good. Like. Chaplin's success is both a creative and a commercial one. Mm. Like, these films are so easy to love so many people. He made such broad pop entertainment that that is such an art in itself. Yeah. You know? This is arguably the final statement on, like, silent films. This is someone who worked for much the entire silent film period, being like, this period is well and truly over now. Here is my, like, capstone on it. Yeah. And this is what voices are. They mm. are... Things coming out of machines. And yeah, it's incredible. And that he did all of that while making a film that is ardently anti-cop, ardently anti-boss, ardently, well, like, kind of pro-union. Like, he may not have been a communist, but he made a film that made people think he was. Yeah. And on this podcast, that's a good thing. (laughs) So you're saying you liked it? I, I did. I, 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 I believe it's sound. Okay, so I've got some pretty terrible news because you know Carter Haskins on, yeah, on, yeah. on, on Letterboxd, mm, Letterboxd yeah. user, yeah. Mm. They, oh, they watched it in February this year. They gave it half a star. Would you like to hear their thoughts? Oh, I mean, yeah, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I do want to briefly, on a, we'll, we'll get back to Carter, but... Looking at this page of reviews, I do want to um, highlight Hankins' half-star review, which is silent movie, not much story, just Charlie Chapman unfunny skits. Anyway, Carter Haskins says, I hate Charlie Chaplin so much. This movie fucking sucks. If, you've got, if you're one of those stupid top reviews on this that gave it a 10, you're wrong and you make me angry. New paragraph. Edit, colon. I'm back. Because I just scrolled through the reviews and I'm very mad. <laughs> People think this is funny. What the fuck? Are you in elementary school? This made you happy? <laughs> I genuinely cannot comprehend how anyone could feel anything other than complete and utter misery <laughs> while watching this film. I do not care that it was revolutionary or whatever. Fuck Charlie Chaplin and fuck this stupid movie and its elementary school humor. New paragraph. Edit two, colon. All caps. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm so mad right now. I'm in class and all of these film kids talking about how good this is and how funny Charlie Chaplin is like, what the fuck? What kind of a world do I live in? It's gotten to the point where this must be done. I am now officially a Charlie Chaplin hate account. (laughs) Crazy words. Uh, Now, would you like to join me in a in a game? Uh, Sure. Uh, I, w- the game? I want to see if you can guess what the t- 
top four films of this fine reviewer Carter Hastings are on on Letterboxd. Okay. I realize we've never actually probably introduced this. On Letterboxd, on your account, you can list your top four favorite films, like your your best friends on MySpace. Uh, Friend me on MySpace if you're out there. Okay, so these top four, good. Very top four. Uh, One is a documentary. Uh, uh, Stop Making Sense. Mm, No. Documentary? Uh, Cannibal Holocaust? No. Uh, It is... uh, It is just hard to give clues on this one without giving it away. Okay, so let's look at the crew. (laughs) Nope. Man. All that guy. Oh, you gave it four and a half stars. Oh, okay. Uh, Peter Bogdanovich is in it. Oh, um, hmm, okay. Is this, uh, is this the other side of, no, no, hmm. Yeah, is this the other side of the wind? No. Close, though. It, it, oh, it's F for fate. Yeah. Yeah. Ding. You can sing. Yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, the next one uh, I hear is good, but I've not seen the first 2000. The, the 2001, A Space Odyssey. Correct. Next is Brian De Palma, 1974 film. Uh, okay. So, uh, uh, is this The Fury? No. Uh, it's not Carrie? No. No, um, okay, what was De Palma? I haven't heard of this. Oh, uh, I... I probably will have, at least in passing. Okay. Jessica Harper from Suspiria and uh, the lesser film that it's adapting, Suspiria. Okay. uh, How how many words in the title? Four. Four words. What's the first word? No. Second word is of and the third word is the. The third word is the and the second word is of. I think that's funny. Okay, no, no. I, I Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, Phantom. Okay, right. Shit, I, 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 I forgot there was a department. Okay, the last one of the four. Uh, why don't you just have a guess? Uh, Come on, me- why don't you have a guess now? It'd be crazy to start like that, wouldn't it? Why not have a guy have a guess now? You can't really have what you're going. What? What? That was hard to hear when oh. we were both talking. No, what, what, what was that? What did you just say? Oh, I was just explaining that it was hard to hear your guest for this film because we were both talking. Oh, is it, is it uh, 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 His Girl Friday? <laughs> Bring it up, baby? You're, you're decades out. It's a movie where people talk at the same time. Yeah. I was once in a cinema uh, uh, recently and I saw an old couple leave this film angry at how much people were talking over each other. And how stressed everyone was. It's not Mikey and Nicky, but I left a cinema recently where yeah, I was I, I, playing I, I know. first run. I know, I know. Yeah. That, that, that's okay. Okay. Oh, uncut James. Yeah, Kit Kitteridge, an American girl. So in America, there is a line of uh, dolls called American Girl. Yeah, they have their own shop. I believe you can make your own. Yeah, they release a new one every year. I've looked. There is dense lore. Yeah. There's Books, there's comic. Each each girl comes with tones. Yeah, each doll comes with like backstory and like represents a certain like 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 subculture or An culture era of history within uh, America. Yeah, and yeah, and so th- 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 this is a lot of dolls that's been around since like the seventies. Yeah, and 
there was, of course, the episode of Project One Way where they had to design a garment for a doll. Mm-hmm. The year, 2004, American Girl teamed up with Red Ohm Productions, that's Julia Roberts' oh, production company, right. to make the first film, An American Girl Holiday, uh, which starred Samantha, played by Anna Sophia Robb. Then there was the TV movie, An American Girl Adventure, which starred Shailene Woodley, famous mm. mud eater. Uh, and then there was Molly, An American Girl on the Home Front, starring Maya Ritter who uh, doesn't have famous parents. Um, but she appeared in the capture of the Green River Killer. Remember? She was Teen Angela. Um, oh, she was also in Finn's Girl. Mm. Oh, the, and the last Hitman. Who can forget her role as young Raquel? <laughs> but the uh, those were all, uh, uh, it seems, TV movies or possibly uh, with later life straight to DVD. Yeah. Um, Even though they did launch several major stars. um, But this was the first American girl movie to appear in cinemas, uh, released in 2008, uh, produced by Picture House, who are like, it's like a real, this is like a real film. Yeah. It looks like TV. It does. And And, it's got got Colin Mockery from TV. Yeah. uh, Chris O'Donnell from TV and Batman. Um, uh, Julia Ormond from TV. Yeah. Joan Cusack from just, oh, it's Joan Cusack. It's yeah. great. She's driving a big truck that's a library. Yeah, it's got, um, uh, it's got Wallace Shawn from A Marriage Story. <laughs> and, and just, oh, Wallace Shawn. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's good in this. I just remember, he's good in, like, yeah. we are not going to talk about this much, mainly because we've been recording for four hours and we lost our minds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 but also because there is not much to talk about which doesn't just become picking at this film. And I don't think this film, there's one big pick to take at this film, and that that is it exists to sell toys. Yeah. And, and it decides to sell toys by telling a narrative of cultural tourism. Um, Abigail Breslin, Little Miss Sunshine herself from mm-hmm. Zombieland and Zombieland Double Tap, a film that everyone saw. Uh, I mean, I, I did. Again, I paid money to see it in the theatre. It was uh, not worth it. I'm okay. Why? Because uh, you were just like, I just want to see what the director of Venom did next. Well, no, no, because I've never seen Zombieland, and my dad's a big Zombieland fan. Oh, so did you see the double bell? Yeah, and I saw Zombieland. I was like, yeah, this is fine. It hasn't aged great. And then I saw Zombieland double tap. I was like, oh, not they- like a Twinkie. Yeah, because hey, they. Yeah. Thing about Twinkies, um, yeah. And so in Zombieland Double Tap, they're like, "Let's take all the things that aged the worst about the first movie and only do them." We're doing more of the shitty catchphrases. We're doing more of the of the like structuring the movie around deep misogyny. There is one really good thing in Zombieland Double Tap, and that is Zoe Deutsch, who uh, is incredibly fucking funny in it, and she is given a terrible fucking hateful character and uh she makes it work and she's so good love zoe deutsch <laughs> abigail breslin um she plays kit kitridge she's in like ohio or something yeah it's the great depression 1936 yeah. hey that's the connection we've got between the two movies both from depression i mean yeah and that's the connection we now have um <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, because that, that's, that's never been true of us before. <laughs> no, only only until now. Um, and uh, her her father loses her job. Uh, loses his job. Yeah. He <laughs> no, he does so badly at his job. His daughter also loses work. Oh, look, her, her father is RuPaul, so you just say loses her job. No, RuPaul tends to go by masculine pronouns. But e- 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 okay, e- e- even when in, in drag? Who gives a shit? I mean, I can, I certainly don't. Can you believe that Ru was not in drag for the first episode judging table of RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under? Uh. Yes, I can. I can. I can believe that. Can you believe that RuPaul once did uh, in the early two thousands or late nineties? Uh, once did a uh, still unreleased uh, version of uh, a, a version of a song, uh, "Funky Town," with with Henry Rollins and the Rollins Band. It was recorded for a, a I guess, some sort of compilation album, and was just never released. <laughs> a compilation album that was called just like Wild Shit, whatever the fuck. Now that's what I call music to release. <laughs> um, she's a happy middle class family. Chris O'Donnell's her dad. Uh, from Jul- from NCIS LA. Yeah, Julia Ormond is her mum. Yeah, uh, her dad loses his job. Yeah, so he has to like go away to. A- different town for work or whatever and, and uh the bank's coming in their house has been foreclosed and so 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 her mother decides to like take in borders to yep. make ends meet and those borders jane krakowski what she, a charmer lovely yeah, as, to see as, her as like an unemployed dancer looking looking for a husband yeah uh uh stanley tucci as one of two brother magicians well no his, his brother isn't a magician he, he's only he's a magician. Oh, later they're both referred to together as magicians. Oh, well, they, 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 they Which never one do of a, us paid more attention on this film? They but. never do a magic act together, and you can't disprove Yes, that. they do. That's the whole climax of the film, is that they did a magic act together to steal shit. Oh, I Spoilers, mean, in, in, Stanley in, Tucci is the thief. Sure, in, in the like, larger, like, the prestige sense, yes, they're both <laughs> doing a magic act together. So, yeah, we get Stanley Tucci uh, uh, as, as a wacky, charming magician. With a big moustache. Lovely to see him. We've got Joan oh, Cusack as, as the uh, mo- mobile uh, library uh, driver. Yeah, and and, and uh, Kat wants to be a journalist. She submits. She's like, I've written a story about what the depression from a child's view. I'm going to submit it to a newspaper, going to submit mm. it to Wallace Shawn in a newspaper. And he's like, this is good, but bring me some real stuff, not comedy. Blah, blah, blah. It's great. It's Wallace Shawn, and he just looks like the loveliest turtle. And you just want to touch his skin and caress him. And I just hope, I hope Wallace Shawn understands how beloved he is internationally. And I want to be clear. I love Wallace Shawn. I love the Wallace Shawn of Toy Story. I love the Wallace Shawn who played dinner in uh, that art film. Um, In in, in Cannibal Holocaust, he played dinner. <laughs> um, yeah. Now we're going to keep him at Cannibal Holocaust reference from earlier. No, we don't. Both are cut. <laughs> uh, no, that both of the three mentions of Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> one remains. <laughs> Wait and see. Um, and but there is some theft going on nearby. Mm-hmm. The cops, I think it is the hobos. Yeah. Homeless people. This is and, all about scapegoating. 
And so, uh, what, but, but, but like what, one day while she's out on the street, she, she sees a robber run past her and she knows that his sleep is robbed and she sees a flash of a tattoo on, on the side of his forearm. Yeah. And she's like, I'm going to remember that in my brain box for later. Uh, uh, but teaming up with some kids that are part of her gang, because, you know, it's a film of kids. They've got to be in an officially sanctioned gang. Yep. They're decoding some hobo code in a way that is like, this film operates generally like a young reader book, not a young adult book, but like a book for six to 10 year olds, yeah. which is the kind of book it's adapted from, at least the character, um, where she's like, oh, look, hobo code. And then someone knows this means this, this leads us. And they go yeah, to, because two, because two of her friends are, are like members of the hobo community. Yeah. One of them is played by uh, some guy who uh, went on to be in other stuff. And one of them is played by Willow Smith. Uh, in in uh, in, in disguise in, as a boy, yeah, in in drag, yeah. Uh, so we should call her by the obvious masculinization of her name. Well, <laughs> it's just so that they just gave their kids their, their names, but gender reversed. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's cool. <laughs> no, but it's a great choice. So, you can like. The, the, but the thought process is so clear. Like, we should name them after ourselves. Yeah. Uh, is that a bit much? What's one thing we could do, you know? Yeah, but but, but also, like, once they've committed him to name their first kid, Jaden, they're like, a better job better be a girl, and we better stop there. Yeah. Um. They meet the hobo community in a hobo jungle, you know, like they had in the Depression. Yeah, led, led by Colin Mockery, the leader of the hobos. <laughs> but yeah, so it operates like, like a book. So it's mildly educational, it's mildly charming, but like it makes a big point when it meets these hobos, uh, when she meets these hobos, she's like, no, these are the nice people. These are people just struggling. They should yeah. be pressed. I don't think that these are the, the robbers. Yeah, and, and she, 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 she writes an article that she hands to Wallace Shaw, and it's called like, Kindness and like kindness in the hobo community, and, <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, kid, we're not going to publish this." I mean, not like that, but no. he does say no, that. He, he does it in a Wallace Shawn voice, not in a, not in a, like bringing up baby voice. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it turns out it's Stanley Tuchina's brother, um, uh, disguising themselves as hobos. Uh, they do a big chase, and they're like, "Please." Because they, they, they frame one of their hobo friends. Yeah. and the, the one who's not Willow Smith. Yeah. Um, and Will, uh, Willow Smith is like, uh, I've been a girl the whole time. I've been hiding and I can't read. Um, and I can't learn how to read because of the depression. Which was my experience of 2020. But anyway. Um, and they go to, come on, complete the thought brain. Jesus, you can do this. Yeah, I, Stanley Tucci and his brother it looks like they're about to get away with it. Yeah, they're running away. They're being chased. They're like, Joan Cusack, library book. Come with us. But it turns out Joan Cusack is, is in on it. Yep. Um, but they all get caught. And, and then everyone's living together except for the criminals who are who are gone. Yep. Uh, I, I, assume, uh, uh, I assume they were just like executed by the, by the police. <laughs> There's a ma- like one of them's a magician and what one's a guy with a tattoo like they're just scum and, and and of course they hate each other. There's lots of very good like what the, if if there's like I think this film has a real core audience 
that is not its actual core audience <laughs> of seven-year-old girl American girls and their mothers, because uh, uh, their mothers are to buy the toys. I'm mm. not. I'm not infantilizing uh, women. Um, uh, is <laughs> is people who are like, I just really want to see what Stanley Tucci's live-action Disney villain performance would be, because this has got all the classics. It's got a lot of like him his his brother's adult so he's like where'd you hide the money come on tell me where'd you come on where'd you find it and then like his brother has a map hidden in his sock and there's lots of them looking for where Mm -hmm. they buried it and there's just a lot of stanley tucci being like oh this lug and it's 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 great it's charming no one does a bad job as far as i'm concerned in this film yeah um and and like even chris o'donnell who top and tails he comes back at the end he's like oh look Happy family with a bunch more kids. Some hobos are here. Willow Smith reads from a book. Yeah, we, um, we got a bunch of money for finding those criminals, I guess. I think <laughs> yeah. I think they do like a crowdfunding campaign or something. <laughs> yeah, who knows? At the end, she's like, um, uh, she's she's got a she's got a article published, and so she's like pinning up articles on 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 the wall, and one it, one's one that she wrote, and then there's other ones that like are implied that she wrote, but it's about they're about her. Yeah. I was like, local girl saves town and house by catching criminals. And one's like, oh, everyone in the state gave lots of money to this little girl because she caught the criminals. Yeah. Um, and, and, and everyone's there, and it's it's great, and it's fine, and, and it ends, and it's 100 minutes, and it should be 80, but mm. um, I like the reason I want to get over this film quickly and why I think I've cut down a lot of our discussion of it is that like this film... Beyond its original sin of being a naked piece of capital under capitalism, um, exists so a, a, a piece of capital under capitalism about a middle class person performing cultural tourism in the hobo community. Uh, it exists for like five to ten year old girls to watch and be like, "If Kit can be a journalist, I can." Or you know, yeah, and, if Barbie can go to space, I can do anything. And, and the the and it, and it tells people that people who've lost their jobs are not evil uh, and, and the people who uh, take advantage of that situation for their own gain are the real monsters. Mm. And I think that is a noble goal yep. uh, if you leave out the part about selling toys. Um, I think they do it well and they hit their market. We are not their market. This film is like the definition of kid shit. Yeah. But it's like, and it's, it's kid. It's you as opposed to G rated. It is like you could happily let a toddler watch this. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want your hobo, I mean, your toddler to learn about hobo code. Um, but which which, which all children should. And, but it's not. It's not a family film. There's not stuff in it for adults that who aren't just like thirsty as we all are for a touch of the tooch. Yeah, uh, or, on or, on or, the or, old cog. Yeah, or or Joan Cusack. Yeah, or like, like, or Jane Krakowski. Yeah, and it, and it, but it's fun. It's charming. None of the jokes are horrible. Uh and like the thing that has working against it is that they clearly made it quickly. It looks like television, and yeah. it looks like television in that way where it's not, it's not ugly. You're just like, oh, okay. They had two takes of this and three cameras, so they did six safe, like. You each get a close. You each get a mid. Then we shoot wides. Then we move on. Mm. You know, shooting ten pages a day, uh, and it looks good, considering that. Um, and it was directed by pro- 
Patricia Rosima. Patricia Rosima, who's okay. Canadian. She was part of the Toronto New Wave. Um, okay. Who most famously gave the world... Adam McGoyan. That's right. As as Alec Halen said once, the, the only director to harness the power of the atom. <laughs> uh, I mean... What about uh, Atomic Joe? Oh, yep. <laughs> it's what I call Joe Dante. <laughs> um, I just watched The Burbs recently. Good job, Joe Dante. On the Burbs. Yeah, right. Dante. Um, and, and she has made films like I've heard the the Mermaid singing, which was her breakout. Uh, it was it was an indie film she made. It played at Cannes. Um, she directed. She worked with like Yo Yo Ma in. Um, shooting stuff with Yo-Yo Ma, like, music under it for a TV series by Yo-Yo Ma. Okay. Golden Spyback. She directed the Mansfield Park version, adaptation starring M. Beth David. Oh, from uh, from Army of Darkness. Yeah. And, and I mean, good. Matilda. I mean. Army of Darkness. <laughs> I mean, Matilda. Like, Matilda is empirically the one. It's just absolutely when, the When people think M. Beth David, they think Army of Darkness. And she directed the um. There, there was a project uh, in, in, around the turn of the millennium to record film versions of all of Beckett's plays, and she directed the version of Happy Days. Um, and I remember that being really good. Okay. Uh, and since then, because uh, she's a, a woman, um, she has directed lots of television. Yeah. Um, she's written some TV movies. She wrote the TV movie adaptation of Grey Gardens, the HBO version. Okay, the one with, like, Drew Barrymore? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and she, uh, uh, and, uh, she made Into the Forest, which people seem to have liked from about five years ago, which stars Elliot Page and Evan Rachel Wood. Okay. Um, and, like, she's still making stuff, and, like, she... And, and But her most recent film is her, like, adapting a two-woman play. And, like, what I'm saying is, is the, like, this is a film that everyone involved knew what they were making yeah. and the market for it, but cared about making it do a good job. Hmm. Uh, and, like, there, there is skill behind this film. There are loads of decisions it could make to make itself easier and to uh, to make making itself easier that it chooses not to do. Hmm. Like, it is the best a film made under these trying circumstances could be. You know, yeah. like, they, they don't have the power or prestige of Chaplin to um to 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 be the man turning the nuts who then changes the world. These are just they're the next guy along with the hammer knocking them in. Yeah. And they it does a great job of knocking the hammer in. And so that's why I'll call it I call it sound. It yeah. is a, like and like if if you had a young child and, and were okay with showing them an ad yeah, and it's if, not if, like if, it, if they've finished watching the Transformers the movie, and it's not like it. It's br- it's branded content. There's not like it, yeah. It, she 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 never like holds up a doll. And be like, hey kids, you should get your parents to buy one of these. And I'm sure there are loads of like deep lore references to it, but Quite probably yeah. Um, there, but there's yeah, you know, uh. But you didn't really watch it. Uh, no, not not, 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 not like a whole your, lot. That's what you said yourself. I'm not. That's not. That, yeah, I, that's I was, not, I'm not coming for you. Yeah, I, I was uh, super checked out on this one. Well, because it's just it like, and because it is, 
like yeah, it would be in the in Britain. You could play it on CBBC. It's like yeah. tra- it's like Tracy Bleeker and doing that thing well is hard, and when you do it well, you know. And like, so we jokingly talked about like we should do a mini series looking at all of these films, but like, there's something interesting in that. Yeah, they're not none of them look horrific in how they tell story, and also like looking at what the capitalist American view of its own history is is interesting. So we've we've both agreed not- it's like marginally sound, or so it, it 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 is sound for 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 the type of movie that it is. This film's fine. Yeah. It's just good. It's functional. You know? It does its job. It doesn't excel, but it wasn't made under the circumstances to excel. But man, if if I found someone who loved it in the known universe, that would drive me into an apoplexy so great, I would have no chance, no choice, but to spontaneously <laughs> invert myself. Well, you first. <laughs> Would you like to hear a five star review of Kit Kitridge? What? <laughs> what? <American> girl? Squelch! <laughs> I'm inside out, help me! So, <laughs> inside out, help me. It's my new catchphrase. So, I'll tell you what, there are a ton of five star reviews for this movie. I absolutely buy that. And I think it's... There, there are a lot of people who watched this as a child who are now on Letterboxd. Yeah, fucking dope. And hooray, and mm. good. Uh, th- th- this is a... This is a review by... Uh, uh, um, uh, this is a review by Letterboxd user Nick. I don't... Un- without. Uh, N-I-C-K. Ooh, hey, Nick. I don't understand how this movie got the production quality or the cast it got, but I'm not complaining, smiley face. Yeah, seems, seems like Nick had a good time. Go on, Nick. And then, I mean, I wouldn't give that five stars. No. Uh, okay, so do, do you want to guess what uh, Nick's uh, top four are on Letterboxd? I mean, I love playing this game. I, I Recently, Brian's sister joined Letterboxd, oh, yeah. and, and I was like, can you look at what her top four films are and, and, and make me help me guess them? <laughs> so, the first movie... Okay, so, uh, of the three movies... Oh, the four movies. Uh, three of them uh, are films that I love. Yeah. Uh, one of them I haven't seen, but I'm sure I would like a lot. Okay. Okay, so. So there's both cuts of Forest of Love. <laughs> so, uh, the first film is uh, a film uh, written and directed by a playwright. Um, in Bruges. Yes. Uh, the second film, uh, like maybe in my top ten of all time, uh, in, it's an action film. Fury Road. It is a film that is not in English. The it, Raid 2. Yes. The The third one is one that I haven't seen. Uh, okay. Um, oh, Monsters University. Uh, no. Okay. Is it, it? It is an animated film. Oh, okay. Cool. Brother, no, you've seen Brother Bear. Oh, you fucking bet I've seen Brother Bear. Um, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. No. Okay. Is it 2D or 3D animated? It is Claymation. Oh, okay. Mary and Max. No. My Life is a Courgette. No. Where Rabbit. No, I've seen Where Rabbit. Chicken Run. No. Ano- You've seen Anomalisa. Yeah. Frankenweenie? No. Corpse Bride. No. Am I in the right area even finally? Uh, I thought, I was like, is this a fun angle? To w- with, with, with Corpse Bride, you're kind of close. Kubo? No. Coraline? Yeah. And then- I mean, a Nightmare is closer. 
Well, yeah, that's why I say kind of close. Oh, right, yeah. I was, I was saying you'd go to Nightmare, I mean, I'd say, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, the third film is part of the uh, Hayley Steinfeld has set out her Dead Dad trilogy. Oh, regret. No. Bumblebee? No, the other one. Oh. <laughs> my, my, my favorite of the, of the trilogy. Age of 17? Yep. And that's uh, Nick's top four. Good, I mean, good, good top four. A thing I've learned going back and watching so much early Chaplin. Because I got in the wrong order. I thought we were going to do City Lights, but we'll talk yeah. about early Chaplin when we get to early Chaplin. Any who, like, an interesting thing is like seeing him learn how to apply his skills. And I've just never really thought about how I should use my skills on this podcast. Uh, so I've worked, you know, I was a journalist for a little bit. I asked people. A lot of questions. Mm-hmm. You you worked with the woman who everyone got mad at for tweeting about Alien? Yeah. Twitter is fucking terrible. Yeah. So I want to lean into that. I want to bring mm-hmm. some of my question asking uh, to the podcast. Right. So then I pose you this. Who, what, when, where, and why? <laughs> From Spy Kids? Is that what you were doing? No, it's just like, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's journalism, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Finn. <laughs> We've got to end this. Yeah, no. If you could see where I was taking what was at the time a relatively short walk towards. Oh, I'm sure. So, Finn, using my skills uh, into this new form, I want to ask you a question. Where can people find you online? <laughs> uh, who cares? <laughs> you you find- see, do you see how much egg you just put on your <laughs> own face? Drowsed in it. You can find the show on uh, Twitter <laughs> at ShiteSoundPod, or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Check out our website. It's at ShiteAndSound.com. And if you you want to follow up to my escapades, uh, follow me on all various social medias. I'm Youthalives, that's U-T-H-E-R-L-I-V-E-S. Turn up for my newsletter at bit.ly slash Youthalive. Our theme song is The Nux by Kazam Blam. Check him out on Ben Camp. What are we watching next week, Beth? Uh, next week, we are doing uh, another film by Ingmar Bergman. A film about an old man uh, regretting his uh, shit-ass life. It is Wild Strawberries. Excited about this. Love Bergman. Looking forward to some more. And with that, we are doing a classic uh, a stinker of a fucking movie from like 2005. Uh, the Bucket List with Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go, Go watch them. Good work. I, how are you still talking? You died. Oh, you're a ghost. Yeah. Oh, nice to meet you. What's the afterlife like? Uh, uh, like, so, 
I know you didn't experience it, but like you, you saw me get ripped apart by a bear, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like, uh, oh, like about it was like goatsy, but going on for way too long. Yeah. So it's- oh my god, <laughs> the worst image I've ever put in my own <laughs> fucking hell. So it's uh, it's vet pain, but uh, but forever. Oh great! Yeah, that must be real hot. Uh, are you like are your pants encrusted with jizz? No. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds real good. I'm not, I'm not Don John, <laughs> starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, but like, there's nothing like who doesn't to love to give themselves like little paper cuts during sex on the genitals. I want to be clear, uh, and so I presume that being torn apart like a doll made of wet tissue paper <laughs> would just be the ultimate orgasmic release uh uh, uh no 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 it's uh it's bad oh so it's like it's like too much it's like you start to come your <laughs> <laughs> it's like you start to come your bones <laughs> is that what it is is that why it's bad <laughs> is that why it is you know, it's been like two weeks since we've recorded, and <laughs> something's happened to you for. So we've we've both agreed not- it's like marginally sound, or so it, it 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 is sound for 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 the type of movie that it is. No, Ben, mm-hmm. I love this film. I love it so much. Putting it in my top four. Oh, okay, and uh, and I I want to say that if I were to he I and I believe this so strongly. That if I were to hear that even one person <laughs> in the known and measured universe had anything but glowing love in their heart for Cat Catteridge and American Girl, I will flip this table, grab that mic stand, and jam it through your head to give you a third killer eye. Well, uh, luckily, uh, the bit in this segment is uh, reading a positive review. <laughs> oh! So uh, there's no chance of that happening. Oh my god, I forgot. Okay, retake. No, no, (laughs) absolutely not.